Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Michael Krasny. China has imposed a controversial new security law on semi-autonomous Hong Kong. The law is being condemned across the world, and the U.S. House of Representatives has just approved a measure that would sanction banks doing business with Chinese officials, and we'll get the latest. Then at 9.30, we'll talk about the recent Facebook racism scandal embroiling the San Jose Police Department and Mayor Sam Licardo's efforts to reform that department. That's all next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. A new China-imposed anti-protest law has already led to arrests in Hong Kong and has residents on edge over further erosion of freedom in the semi-autonomous territory. In this half hour, we'll hear about the new law, why it has activists worried, and why China is dismissing those concerns. And joining us is Victor Xi, Chair in China and Pacific Relations at the University of California, San Diego. And welcome, Chairman Xi. Thank you. Good to have you with us. Also want to welcome Yashu Wong, who is China researcher with Human Rights Watch. And welcome to the program. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to have you. And uh, Victor Xi, let me begin with you. And let's begin by just outlining what this is. It's an anti-protest law. There have already been arrests, uh, including somebody for just waving a Hong Kong flag. And this has been what people have been certainly frightened and concerned about. But in some ways, it's even more draconian and more harsh than was anticipated. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, the law, among many, many other things, uh, will set up a specialized bureaucracy uh, just on political crimes. It has also defined a wide range of activities as terrorism, uh, including blocking traffic, or severely blocking traffic, I should say. Uh, also, this law will uh, apply to both um, Chinese citizens, uh, which of course include uh, Hong Kong residents, and also foreigners uh, who are speaking uh, out against uh, the draconian nature of the law, uh, both in Hong Kong and China uh, and also overseas. So, so potentially, uh, depending on what I say today, I could be breaking this law. Well, it brings Beijing's uh, essentially law enforcement into Hong Kong and it puts suspects under wiretapping and surveillance. Presumably they're already digitalizing uh, things that have to do with 
the democracy movement and the like. And uh, Yashu Wong, this is uh, certainly very disturbing in terms of human rights. And uh, uh, we're talking about arbitrary detention. We're talking about people being subject to justice, uh, which is not justice at all, but just the way things are run in Beijing. Absolutely. There's a, absolutely a possibility that uh, people could be arbitrarily detained by international human rights standards for, let's say, you know, up to six months in a situation that they have no access to family, have no access to uh, legal counsel, because as Professor Xi mentioned that, uh, you know, the uh, the Beijing will impose uh, office for na uh, safeguarding national security in Hong Kong, and this office will uh, be staffed by entirely by mainland officials and uh, operate entirely within the legal framework of Chinese law, which is we all know quite you know very abusive and does not comply with international human rights standards. And this pretty much boils down to charges of secession and subversion and terrorism, collusion, all of those charges that really go against any of the kind of protests or dem democratic movement or democracy movement, I should say. I'm just wondering, what are you hearing from residents within Hong Kong about this? I think everybody is really af afraid and they're worried. I literally have friends who ask me, should I not stop talking to you? Because, you know, you work for Human Rights Watch, you could be deemed as you know, foreign forces. And um, by just talking to you, I could be prosecuted for uh, foreign collusion. So absolutely, this law is already having a chilling effect on every aspect of the society. Uh, you know, activists are obviously are worried, academia, journalists, uh, students, business people, publishers, everybody. Well, Demosisto, which was the democratic movement, in fact, one of the leaders in that, uh, Joshua Wong, who's a 24-year-old who's gotten a lot of press attention, uh, they're simply withdrawing, uh, they're moving back, uh, and one wonders what's going to happen to the democratic uh, allied movement that has been so present in Hong Kong, plus a movement that was supposed to be allowed for about 50 years. That was the deal, that was the contract. Yes, I mean, Joshua Wong said, uh, you know, he's quitting his party and the party is disbanding, and uh, the other a key member of his party, and Nathan Law, just announced uh, on Facebook that he has left Hong Kong. So I think, uh, you know, from the ground, I have heard a lot of people that are saying that they are leaving in the next couple of months, or they have already left. So I will see, I think we will see that there will be a definitely a declining activism in Hong Kong. And Victor Xi, what about the response uh, that we're getting not only from Asian neighbors, but let's talk first about the response of the United States, because there have been a lot of statements crossing uh, over partisan lines. Uh, Nancy Pelosi has certainly spoken out on this. So has Tom Cotton. So for that matter, uh, have a number of uh, legislators from both the Democratic and Republican sides of the aisle. And there has been action taken. Can you address that? Uh, yeah. So last night, the House passed um, a law which would impose sanctions on uh, Hong Kong and Chinese officials who uh, are deemed as human rights violators. Uh, the Senate most likely will also uh, pass a, a bill that's exactly the same or very similar to the, to the House version. Uh, it's a rare moment of bipartisanship uh, these days. Uh, the question is whether President Trump will sign that into law. Uh, there's some questions about that because uh, he clearly uh, <clears throat> views the trade one phase deal with China as being very important. And if he were to pa uh, sign the bill into law, 
um, the Chinese may cancel uh, the trade wind phase deal before the election, which is not desirable uh, for President Trump. But the, but the law itself uh, would prohibit uh, U.S. Um, financial institutions and, and also, you know, non-U.S. Finan financial institutions with a significant business in the U.S. from uh, having um, financial dealings with these officials. So these officials would not be able to open bank accounts uh, in U.S. financial institutions uh, or transfer money via U.S. Uh, financial institutions, um, which, you know, it, it's an annoyance, but it's not, um, I, I don't think it would have a a major deterrence effect. I mean, it would have a sort of a minor deterrence effect. Some officials may quit uh, the Hong Kong government or the Chinese government uh, because of this law, but uh, I, I don't think it will be a large number of officials. What about uh, the changing of trade laws? Uh, that's in the works too, isn't it? Yeah, so so that's, I uh, would not classify that as sanctions. Um, so because I think uh, in a lot of the, <clears throat> these trade related uh, measures or laws that I, that I have seen, they, they, they're really harmonizing the way in which the US treats uh, Hong Kong vis-a-vis uh, -vis China. Uh, already there, there are a, a number of restrictions in terms of what uh, US technologies can be exported to China, obviously, uh, or what uh, US government-related uh, companies or contractors can buy from Chinese suppliers. Um, all a lot of these measures are saying is that now we're going to treat Hong Kong as a part of China and we're no longer going to export to Hong Kong certain technologies or buy from Hong Kong entities certain technologies. Uh, so I think that's harmonization. The Chinese government should not have too much problems uh, with those measures. They're going to, on the margin, of course, hurt a lot of Chinese companies that had been using Hong Kong as a sort of a transshipment center to evade uh, a lot of uh, these U.S. measures against mainland Chinese companies, uh, but it's not going to have a, a you know, major impact on the Chinese economy. Yeah, and since you're sort of uh, talking about how the impact won't uh, be that great, there was an article in the New York Times that spoke of uh, a lot of companies falling in line and pretty much uh, not really raising any kind of uh, dissent or any kind of objection to what's been going on. I also wanted to mention the fact that even though there's been a strong global response against what China has done, there have been also about 53 nations led by Cuba that support China and the United Nations and say that they have the sovereign right to essentially dictate what they want to. I want to hear from listeners on this, and we're only going to go up to the half hour. Many of you may have some thoughts or some questions, and we're talking about the new anti-protest law imposed on Hong Kong. And if you do have thoughts or questions, you can join us now. What do you think about the news that's coming out of Hong Kong? And if you've lived there or if you have friends or family there, what are you hearing? You can call us now at our toll-free number. The number to call is 866-733-6786. The number again for your calls, 866-733-6786. You can also join us by getting in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email any questions you might have or comments to forum at kqed.org. And uh, wondering, uh, here's a question from a listener wanting to know what would happen uh, if uh, democratic world threatened to recognize Taiwan as an independent nation if China won't keep its promise regarding Hong Kong independence. Uh, that's a question from a listener named Michael. Can I go to you, Yachu Wong? 
Uh, yes, I, I mean, if the democratic countries together are going to recognize uh, Taiwan, I think the Chinese government is going to react really, really strongly. Uh, I mean, the government has said, uh, you know, we are not going to uh, rule out the possibility of using force to uh, so-called unify Taiwan. So there's a possibility of that. Then the U.S. has signed a treaty with Taiwan saying, you know, if that situation arises, uh, the U.S. has an obligation to defend Taiwan. So it will get really ugly if this happens. Well, I want to mention that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said uh, we stand, he's talking presumably for the American people with the people of Hong Kong against attacks on freedom. And so there has been some strong responses coming out, as I said, of both sides of uh, the political aisle in terms of the major parties here in the United States. I'd like to hear what some of you have to say about this. And I just wanted to also ask you if I could uh, Victor Xi, about how other Asian nations are reacting. There's been certainly in Japan and South Korea a good deal of human cry. Uh, and we've got, uh, well, Chinese neighbors who are expressing their concern and their aggravation about this. Yeah, so historically, uh, Hong Kong, you know, is, is a major trading city uh, and even tourist destination uh, for, you know, tourists from around Asia and really from around the world. Uh, and I think it is generally recognized that this law will uh, make Hong Kong uh, much less uh, attractive destination for tourism. Um, you know, people, a lot of people that I know have, uh, you know, who are not from Hong Kong or from China have a lot of nostalgia uh, in terms of visiting Hong Kong because it's so different, uh, so much more westernized in a sense uh, than mainland China. Um, but, you know, people do expect this to come to an end. I mean, so so I don't mean to say that this law will have no impact in the business world. I think that uh, even though Hong Kong uh, economically, remember, economic growth is a flow measure. It's not a stock measure. Uh, in terms of flow, it's no longer so important for China. But in, in, terms, in terms of the stock of wealth that's in Hong Kong, I mean, you're talking about trillions of dollars of real estate assets and financial portfolio assets in Hong Kong. If the, uh, some significant part of that were to leave uh, Hong Kong, um, which a lot of it is leaving Hong Kong, uh, it would have a pretty significant impact on China's monetary policy uh, and in terms of China's ability to maintain its foreign exchange reserve at its current level. So, so I think potentially if there is a panic among the wealthier, especially among the wealthier and upper middle class in Hong Kong, uh, it, it would be rather troublesome for China. Well, Victor Xi, I'm looking at a question from a listener named Lori, who says uh, her question is why China would want to abnegate the 50-year agreement with Hong Kong, which is essentially a cash cow for China. Yeah, so I think internally within the Chinese government, there has been uh, a lobbying uh, force, if you will, of you know a combination of state-owned enterprises, banking interests, uh, that have lobbied the Chinese government to maintain the status quo. Uh, but I think this prolonged uh, series of protests that Hong Kong uh, has seen since the umbrella movement, um, as well as increasing call for Hong Kong independence among some, I think, you know, at the end of the day, small minority of the protesters um, have really alarmed the Chinese government. Uh, and, and from what I have heard, uh, the last sort of straw, so to speak, was uh, the recent humiliating result of the local district election. Uh, local district is kind of like a city council type election, not, not that important, but 
the pro-Beijing parties lost so badly, uh, basically um, losing 90% of the local district uh, to the uh, anti-establishment pro-democracy parties. And so, you know, Beijing basically saw that uh, the sort of more peaceful means uh, did not work. Uh, and so they're resorting to more coercive means. Victor Xi is chair in China and Pacific Relations for University of California, San Diego. Let me bring a caller on here. And Jerry, join us. You're on the air. Hi. I just wanted to make some comment. I have a friend who lives in Hong Kong. They are born and raised in Hong Kong, and some of them married to a person in Hong Kong. And actually, they like the law. They have no objection at all. If you're a law-abiding citizen, there's nothing to be afraid of it. And plus, Hong Kong belongs to China. It's a territory, actually, just like Hawaii belongs to the United States. And why Western countries, especially the United States and the United Kingdom, they want to intervene other people's internal affairs? And also, last year's protest, a lot of them, they're not peaceful protests. They are rioters. They kill people. They even use the YouTube video. Some guy sells gasoline to one old gentleman, simply opposed your protest, and dumped the gasoline on that guy and set, set that guy on fire. And there are a lot of pictures showing, videos showing they damaged the subway station. They broke the glasses, looting the store on fire. And then they beating little girls. They, they tried to remove the blockage of the street. Jerry, that, uh, let, me, let me just go uh, cut to the chase here because you're bringing up uh, some of the violence from the protests, and I think that's uh, something that needs to be addressed here. And I'd like to go to you on this, if I could, uh, Yashu Wong, especially in light of the fact that uh, although there's been certainly condemnations of uh, the Chinese moving in here, Jerry's point about, well, you know, it's analogous. I wonder what you say to that, to the United States and Hawaii. Uh, well, I dis I respectively disagree. First of all, I want to address the you know the violence part. I uh, yeah, there are some violence. There have been some violence, but the vast vast majority of the protesters are peaceful, and uh, you know many of those peaceful uh, protesters have been detained, arrested. Some of them, the prominent ones, have been jailed. So they. Uh, you know, it's arbitrary detention. Their uh, jailing is totally unjustified by international human rights standards. Uh, yeah, I mean, Hong Kong is, uh, you know, part of China, but uh, uh, Chinese laws, uh, a lot of the laws that are abusive and they are human, uh, that do not comply with international human rights standards. People should have the right to freedom of speech, the right to freedom of assembly, and those, uh, uh, you know, those rights are not uh, respected by the Chinese government. But what about the argument the Chinese government makes, which uh, we can get into, though I don't want to get in the weeds too much here, the promise that they made of one country, two systems. But what about the fact that they are simply responding to this, saying we have the right as a sovereign nation to protect our national security, and that is this is a national security law, and there are national security laws around the world. Uh, yeah, right, and there are national security laws uh, around the world, but the Chinese national security law is not to protect the security of uh, the nation, but the security of the Chinese Communist Party's hold onto power of China and Hong Kong. So there's a, a you know difference in essence of what this national security law is about, comparing with China's and you know democratic countries. Yachu Wong again is China researcher, his Human Rights Watch, uh, wondering. Uh, 
If we can talk a little bit with you, Victor Xi, about countries preparing to take in Hong Kong refugees who are fleeing the crackdown. Uh, I guess the British have said they would take in as many as three million uh, Hong Kong residents uh, to settle in the UK, and Australia is considering it. Uh, so there are going to be a lot of people fleeing Hong Kong? Um, potentially, but, but my guess is that it's not going to be uh, uh, three million you know, people, uh, half of Hong Kong's population, leaving Hong Kong. Uh, for other destinations, but potentially you can see several hundred thousand people. And the reason why we're not going to see millions of people is because uh, Hong Kong has uh, one of the best uh, free, you know, basically free medical care system in the world. And in a city with an aging population, I think uh, most of the people, even among some people who are pretty worried about uh, the new political reality in Hong Kong, will opt to stay in Hong Kong uh, to take advantage of, uh, of the excellent medical system in Hong Kong. Uh, given the sort of relatively poor showing of the N NHS uh, during the COVID uh, pandemic. Uh, but of course, certainly among younger people, um, many of them will be interested in, in moving abroad uh, to the UK, to Australia. I think really it, it is, in a sense, uh, the historical responsibility, frankly, of the United Kingdom to take in uh, as many people from Hong Kong uh, as want to migrate to the UK because uh, it was the United Kingdom which agreed to hand uh, Hong Kong back to China, um, you know, for, for some- No, it was a British colony. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For very good reasons, uh, but with the promise of a piece of paper, the basic laws uh, stating that, you know, Hong Kong will remain the same for the next 50 years it being a piece of paper, China has essentially tore it up uh, and instituted a new political reality in Hong Kong. Uh, and so, you know, I think the United Kingdom certainly owes the people of Hong Kong at least this much, if not more. I'm going to go to some uh, responses from listeners. Uh, Namiko writes, this is a frightening day for democracy, not just for Hong Kong, but for the world, as China continues to establish its presence and influence around the globe. And Curtis asks, and I'll go to you on this, Victor Xi, uh, what point, what levers does the United States have to control China's expansionist aspirations? Uh, we're talking about even beyond Hong Kong here in this question, and it's, it certainly would appear that China does have those aspirations. Uh, yeah, so that's a good question. Um, you know, I think we, we are seeing uh, the U.S. government, uh, you know, under Trump, uh, implementing many of these measures, uh, but, but you know, not in a very strategic way, you know, including imposing tariffs on Chinese goods, um, uh, beefing up uh, the presence of the mil US military in the Asia Pacific region. Uh, I, I would only say that where I think the current administration has really failed is to coordinate uh, the action of the US with uh, the actions of our allies, of our traditional allies. Um, you know, the U.S. is doing a little bit better in the Asia Pacific region, but uh, not doing very well at all with our traditional European allies, uh, Germany, France. They have, um, you know, very large economic relationship with uh, the People's Republic of China. Certainly under a different administration, our European allies uh, would be much more willing to coordinate in some some of these measures, uh, which would make them more effective than they are right now. Because right now, you know, the Chinese government can say, well, fine, you know, if you don't want to trade with us or you want to impose tariffs with us, we're going to trade with the Europeans more uh, than with the U.S. 
uh, and that of course discounts the uh, efficacy of a lot of the measures that we've implemented. We're going to have to leave it there, but let me extend thanks to you, Victor Xi, for being with us this segment. Victor Xi, again, is chair in the China and Pacific Relations, University of California, San Diego. Good to have you aboard. Let me also uh, thank uh, Yashu Wang, who is a China researcher with Human Rights Watch, and I thank you for joining us this segment as well. And thanks to listeners who were involved in it. We're going to move more toward local news. We're going to talk about what's going on in San Jose with the police and with not only a police scandal really having to do with racist uh, remarks uh, that were put in social media, but also with police reform. Stay tuned. That's next. I'm Michael Krasny. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.